Welcome back to one-on-one New York's longest-running sports call-in show. We are lucky now to be joined by historian and author Tony Castro. Tony is the author of eight books, including his newest release, Maris and Mantle, Two Yankees, Baseball Immortality in the Age of Camelot. Tony, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to get right into the new book. You know, it talks about the home run chase between Mantle and Maris in 1961. You know, was there anything you found particularly special about that season and the relationship between the two players that drove you to write this book? The relationship between the two players in ways was quite reminiscent of Gary Gannon and Babe Ruth. And of course, you have to hearken back to Babe Ruth's 1927 season when he hit the 60 home runs that Maris and Mantle were trying to break now. And, you know, you can almost make the uh, comparison that Gehrig was to Babe what Maris was to uh, Mickey Mantle in that Babe was considered, you know, the, the consummate uh, New York Yankee of his time. So was Mickey Mantle. Uh, Gehrig had been with the team, you know, since 1925, longer than, say, Maris had been uh, with the Yankees. But it was still that same dynamic between the two, uh, the two competitors. Uh, friends, yeah, they were better friends, uh, Mantle and Maris, than uh, they've been credited for being. And that played a great deal into uh, what was going on in 61. I think Maris uh, uh, had the advantage of knowing that Mickey was right behind him and, and uh, in the batting order, as well as in the support that he had from Mantle that entire season. And Mantle, on the other hand, uh, was, uh, Mantle was the old guy at, at the age of 29. He was the guy who was expected to break Babe Ruth's record there was tremendous pressure on him, although he claimed there wasn't. And uh, uh, as the season progressed, that pressure increased as Roger Maris continued, you know, didn't fall off. He continued hitting home runs. He continued going past uh, the number he'd ever hit. And he uh, was a, a competitor unlike anything else that Mickey Mantle had ever had in his career. Such a fascinating topic, the relationship between Maris and Mantle, such an interesting period of time in, in baseball history. Tony, it's great to have you on the show. I'm wondering what goes into making a book of this magnitude? Well, luck for one. Uh, I, I, I grew up with Mickey Mantle as a hero. Uh, in 1961, I was as heartbroken as uh, so many Yankee fans and Mickey Mantle fans that it wasn't he who broke the record. Uh, I wouldn't say that I never forgave Roger Maris, but I never took the opportunity of interviewing him when I had chances to interview him during the years uh, after 1961. I, wa- I was a political reporter. That's how I made my name, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, when I left college in 1970, my first newspaper job, I, I quickly became a political reporter in Texas. And I had opportunities to uh, like a Neiman Fellowship at Harvard in 1976 and 1977. And it was there on a real cold uh, winter day that they had a, a symposium on JFK and Camelot, the, you know, the Camelot years. I attend that, we're freezing my you know, tail off along with everybody else there in that auditorium. And Arthur Schlesinger Jr., the great historian of politics and presidents uh, was on stage and I don't know, we, uh, I thought maybe it was just the cold. He wound up saying something like, uh, something to the effect of the age of Camelot, the early 60s were defined as much by uh, Maris and Mantle and their chase of this home run record and their, uh, what they did in those early 60s 
with the New York Yankees as it was by JFK and his presidency. And of course, this was like, uh, you know, people looked up and maybe that's what uh, Schlesinger wanted them to do. But as he talked more and you got to know Schlesinger more, I got to know him after, the, you know, naturally you want to talk to him uh, after the thing, after the symposium. He was a great baseball man, great baseball fan. His father, Arthur Schlesinger Sr. had been a, a big baseball fan of the Boston Red Sox there in Boston. And so young Arthur, the only way he could really connect with his dad at that time, Arthur being uh, you know, substantially younger than his father, was through baseball. So they became big Red Sox fans. They became big baseball fans. And Schlesinger knew a great deal about baseball. He could talk about baseball. He could talk about this 61 season. And when we cornered him afterwards and asked him to, if, if he could really back that up, that statement, and we, you know, we all thought it was just in jest. He says, yeah, he thought he could. He said, by the end of 1963, JFK was dead, unfortunately. Mantle and Maris were still you know, together. And this was after 1960 and a great year that they both had, although they didn't win the World Series. 61, when they uh, made history together. 62, 63, they won. Uh, another World Series in 62 and 63 were beaten only by Sandy Koufax and his you know, uh, tremendous uh, uh, pitching exhibition in the World Series. 64, they're in the World Series again. So he's saying, look, in that early 60s, those two guys and the effect that they had on Americans who were tuning in every night more to find out how did they hit? Uh, did Mantle hit a home run? Did Maris hit a home run? They were tuning in unlike say tuning in to find out well how's JFK today did he get over this uh, crippling situation in Cuba uh, with the Bay of Pigs in 1961 which hurt the the Kennedy legacy quite a bit or in 62 when he almost took us to uh, to a nuclear uh, war with the, the Russians over the Cuban Missile Crisis and then into 63 and the scandals that were there underneath the surface uh, uh, Kennedy with uh, uh, you know, being involved with a, a woman who was the uh, the girlfriend of a mobster, Kennedy uh, having you know carrying on with Marilyn Monroe. Schlesinger was no slouch when it came to putting history into context, and he was aware of all the negatives with the Kennedy administration, even though he was known as a Kennedy Homer. That's probably more than you need to know from me on this particular question, but I get carried away talking about Schlesinger and, and a guy like that being such a baseball uh, uh, fan as he was. Tony, you have written a lot of stories about Yankee legends and about the relationship between these players, such as in your books, Garrick and the Babe, Dimash and Mick, and now Maris and Mantle. Is there anything in particular special about the relation to, relationships between Yankee greats that you find so interesting and make you want to write about them? Well, in this one, I hadn't thought of comparing Maris and Mantle with Ruth and Gehrig. I, I, to me, there was no comparison. The eras, it's difficult to compare those eras. But the more I, I studied both men, especially Maris, as I got to know him better. And I, like I said, I never interviewed him, but I, was, I have a friend, uh, Peter Golenbach, the great writer from uh, Florida who has written about baseball uh, more than I have. When I told Peter, hey, you know, I'm working on this book, but I feel weird about it because I never had a chance to interview him. Peter says, look, I've got a uh, long interview with Roger that I took, uh, uh, that I taped in 1973. I've never used it. It's never been used. You're more than welcome to it. I mean, how much more 
uh, gracious and magnanimous can you get than somebody who does that something for you? He sends me this. No, I was expecting, oh, I'm going to have to now tape, you know, type the, the script up. It was already typewritten. And I'm like, my Lord, taught me a great deal about humanity, taught me a great deal about friendship, taught me a great deal about people. And, you know, authors are sometimes in competition with one another. You know, Peter's one of these guys who he says, you know, we're all in this together. And he certainly made a believer out of me. But in this, you know, with, with Maris and finding that, uh, uh, that interview so helpful, I came to see Maris. Maris was to Mantle as Gehrig was to uh, Ruth. And maybe that's overly simplistic. But the other part about this is that both Maris and, and Gehrig were these guys who you would want your children to follow after. I often tell people that, look, you know, Mickey Mantle, like uh, Babe Ruth was someone that I admired and they were their role model for me. And maybe that's what I wanted to be, you know, a guy who was uh, at times a broken down buffoon like, uh, like Ruth was or just a broken down drunk like Mantle was at times. But as far as the other two guys, Gehrig and uh, Maris, this is what I would want my sons to be like. You know, this is who you, your role model should be. And I've told, I have two sons. They're both in, in their early 30s. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is, a, these are the guys that you should pattern. If you're going to pattern yourself after any baseball player, these are the guys. Tony, I'm wondering, with the prestige of the 1920s Yankees, the chaos that ensues in the late 70s in the Bronx, and that new age dynasty that took control in the 90s, do you think that the Maris and Mantle teams are often underappreciated as a part of Yankees history and baseball lore? I think many of these teams are. You know, the Reggie uh, Jackson teams, even though it was only a two-year run in the, the 70s, often is, you know, shoved aside. And they were, they were an incredible team. Uh, I, maybe I feel that way because I was living back east at that time, and I happened to see them quite often. And was, uh, at the World Series where, you know, Reggie hit uh, – three home runs on three, uh, uh, three swings, and then saw them again uh, the, the following year. I, I think we tend to forget about our, our history and maybe just accept it for what it is. They, these guys, uh, whether it's in the books that we read and find out about Ruth and, and Gehrig and, and all the, their, their heroics, I think we take them for granted the same way with, with DiMaggio and and Barra DiMaggio and Gehrig uh, in the mid thirties, uh, you know, DiMaggio uh, in the forties before the war and DiMaggio after the war, that 1951 season that uh, the Yankees won with Mickey Mantle, that, you know, that was DiMaggio's uh, farewell season. And yet that was a season where he, he came through so well. And in DiMaggio and Mick, one of the things that I go into is how contrary to popular belief for whatever reason it's been there, uh, these two guys were closer. I wouldn't say best friends, but they, uh, they weren't the enemies, the bitter enemies and the rivals that people made them out to be, DiMaggio and, and Mantle. And so you get into, into the 90s, wow, you know, you, you're getting into a, 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 a era that I think it, down the way is going to look, be looked upon as just uh, magnificent. Jeter, God, I mean, uh, maybe not in numbers, but certainly in reputation and in that Gehrig mantle character. How can you argue? I mean, if you were having to put a, a three threesome of characters 
a character among Yankees, it would be Gehrig, uh, uh, Maris, and, uh, and Jeter. You know, Tony, we, we live in an age where analytics drive the game of baseball now. Launch angle are really the ways people are hitting homers nowadays. Is it even fair to compare, you know, the, the 50 homer hitting sluggers from the 50s and 60s to the analytic driven slugger from today? It's not, uh, but we're going to, obviously. I mean, the thing you can say about it is that Roger Maris and the swing that he had and that he wouldn't change during the years he was in the minors and the minors playing uh, in the minors for the Indians, they tried to change that swing of his, which was an uppercut. In fact, it's the kind of swing you see from home run hitters today. Roger stuck with, you know, with it, that swing and that was the swing that made him who he was. And that's the swing that we see so often today, you know, that slight uppercut, you know, hitting, uh, putting the, the, the right kind of spin, if you're going to be pulling the ball, say, uh, I don't know who you can give credit to on that for, Rod, for, for Roger because he rejected lessons from anybody. And it's something that he obviously just picked up as a teenager. His dad, to some degree, his older brother, probably to a greater degree. In talking about the home run swing and home run chases, you know, like the one that took place in that summer of 61 between Maris and Mantle, do you see the race between Maguire and Sosa in 98 in the same light as the one that took place between the two Yankee legends, or is it a different thing altogether, given everything we now know? I think it was even different then. They weren't teammates. They played in the same league and sometimes played against each other. Um, they were, uh, uh, you know, it was a different time. You had uh, not only newspaper people and television people after you, you had, blog, you know, that was the beginning of the blogger period already. I mean, uh, I know a friend of mine down in Houston claims he, he was the first blogger in, uh, in America, and he was already in business at that time. So you had a different kind of media. You had this 24-hour, we talk about a 24-hour news cycle. We have a 24-hour sports news cycle. And that was in its early uh, stages there with uh, in 1998. I think the other thing about uh, we uh, we get we forget about with um, McGuire and Sosa is that baseball loves this kind of stuff. And with baseball, I mean, in 1994, 95, 96, baseball was in the throes of doldrum, and also uh, you know fans weren't coming to the games that they had been. And they needed some kind of spark to save baseball, as it were. And what better thing can you have than a home run chase like this, like they had in 98? And after that, the numbers went up. As, as along, I'm talking about the numbers of fans, watchers, viewers on television. And, of course, uh, uh, home runs, much like you're seeing today. You're not seeing it as a, a singular kind of a thing. Uh, you do have some people that have hit the... Uh, uh, you know, into the 40s and, and probably, you know, may finish up in the 50s before the, the season ends here in the next few days. But it's not like any one individual going after the record. What you do have is home runs being hit almost uh, at a rate that we've never seen before. Something's going on. It's not the, the players that we know of. I mean, they test them often enough. Maybe they ought to start testing the, the baseball you know, you talked about the relationship between Maris and Mantle and also between Garrick and Babe. 
Um, what have you seen any relationships in the modern baseball that maybe look very similar to those relationships, maybe between teammates and players on opposing teams? Are there any relationships in the MLB today that you know remind you of the relationships of those players? Otani and uh, I've drawn a senior moment here. Uh, the uh, great outfielder for the Angels, Mike Trout. I think you yes. Name. I mean those two guys. I mean, how can those two guys? as great of ball players as they are and are developing to being be on such a mediocre team. I mean, that's, that would be like having Marison Mantle play for the old uh, Washington senators, wouldn't it? Yeah. And so, yeah, I see it there. I mean, uh, I think some of it might've been developing in, uh, in San Diego, but I think the, the team fell into the ocean after Memorial day and we never seen them uh, playing well again. Uh, but it, it, you know, Tatis is a great uh, slugger and you're going to uh, have to, you know, partner up with somebody, uh, even if it's not one of his current teammates. And uh, I, I don't know about other teams. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's so hard to say. I focused so much on this book and I was so curious about uh, Otani that I thought, well, is there something there? Uh, not from a writing standpoint, but just as a fan standpoint, and and spent too much time at uh, at Angels Ballpark. In researching about the the sixty one chase and for the book, was there anything that surprised you that you would not have assumed going into the project? I had already done a great deal of research on that at one point. Um, the first book that I did on Mantle came out in two thousand and two. It was called. Uh, Mickey Mantle, America's Prodigal Son. And I'd never written a baseball book before. I had written a book on civil rights years ago, back when I was a young man in the 70s. And my agent said, you know, uh, uh, shortly after Mantle died, why don't you take a shot at doing this book that you say has never been done on Mantle? You knew him, uh, you have some personal stuff. Uh, you know, he's he may be dead in the next couple of months. It turned out he was dead in a couple of weeks. Uh, think about it. And I did. And I had a, about four years later, I turned in a manuscript of about 20, between 2,500 and 3,000 pages, which correlates to like about 800,000 words. This particular book is around 100,000. So that book that I, the manuscript that I originally turned in was just far too long to publish. And we had to cut, uh, we had to cut more than half of the book. And in cutting it, some of the things that I cut, the relationship between Mantle and uh, uh, Stingle, Mantle and, and DiMaggio, and you see where that wound up, Mantle and uh, uh, Barra, Mantle and Billy Martin. I could go on, you know, Mantle and, uh, and, and, and Maris for sure. We pulled that out because the Billy Crystal movie had just, uh, the HBO movie 61 had just come on uh, in 2001 and it had stolen the show, the thunder from, from anything that was Yankees and uh, uh, home run related and they thought well you know trim down that particular relationship and so I, we cut a great deal of the Mantle Maris uh, uh, research that had been done at that time uh, what I added to it in doing this book was Peter's uh, interviews uh, some sabermetrics that wasn't around in 2002 or if it was it was uh, in the rudimentary stage and uh, getting more um, 
more background on Maris and Maris's early years, his early years as a uh, uh, Eastern European immigrant son, uh, which you know makes up a great deal of the beginning of the book. Tony, I do want to bring it back to maybe these modern day Yankees. You know, they've been kind of donned the baby bomber era with Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, you know, players of the team like that. Do you ever find yourself comparing Yankee errors, maybe this modern Yankee team to teams of past like the 1961 Yankees, maybe even further back like the 1927 Yankees? Well, a few years ago, I thought there was that similarity with uh, Judge and Sanchez, and it just didn't seem to work out as well as it uh, as I thought it could have been. I think the competition is a lot tougher today. The pitching is tougher today than than it was at that time. I mean, you're, you're looking at three, four, five different pitchers in a game, depending on, on how that game is going, as opposed to one pitcher that you can kind of, uh, you know, hone in on and study. And even though back in that particular day, they may not have had uh, the digital media that allows us to go back in and, you know, what did he throw me that last time? What did he get me out with? Uh, players, are, you know, these players were pretty smart. So I, I think you have, it, it's a lot tougher today to, to lock into that thing like what we had with Maris and Mantle and uh, Gehrig and the Babe. Uh, and, and so my hat's off to the modern day ball player. He's struggling with, uh, uh, you know, not only playing, you know, at, at night, uh, playing under these circumstances with everyone looking at you with the uh, money that's uh, attached to you, the resentments that are there from, from parts of society that, don't think ball players should be paid this much and uh, then having to compete, having to look at these, uh, you know, three or four different pitchers at each game uh, judge is an incredible specimen. So is uh, Sanchez. And yeah, I, I think they, uh, they could, uh, you know, given the right set of circumstances, it could work out for them, but wow. I mean, you know, I, I just, I just marvel at looking at modern day baseball. Maybe it's because I'm old and I look at this and, and a 98 mile an hour pitch or a 95 mile an hour pitch looks like 105 and I can't really see it. It's like, oh, somebody enlarge my, my TV. Thank God they've got huge TVs now so that old people can look at them and can pick up the ball. Because otherwise it's like looking at a hockey game. You know, where is that ball? Tony Castro, author of Marison Mantle. Be sure to check that book out. It's out everywhere now. Tony, thanks for giving us your time and coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very kind.